Welcome to Boomers on Fire with educator, philanthropist, and mentor, Dr. Cynthia. Get ready to refire your life by listening to inspiring interviews with vibrant boomers who are rocking their retirement. Whatever the retiree is doing, we want you to hear about it so that it will spark something in you so that you can decide how you want to live in your second half of life. You will be exposed to new possibilities and new opportunities. It's time to refire, reinvent, and reimagine your second half of life with your host, Dr. Cynthia. Welcome to Boomers on Fire. I am your host, Dr. Cynthia, and I'm super excited to have you join me on this incredible journey to inspire and help other women explore new possibilities in their second half of life. Are you at a point in your life where you're asking what's next? You've finished one chapter and you're yet ready to write the next? It's a time for real possibilities, and it defines a new phase of life. These interviews will inspire you to discover your new possibilities. So are you ready to be inspired for the next phase of your life? Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Susan Wallerstein. Dr. Susan Wallerstein has had an incredible career in the education field. Her career spans over 40 years in a variety of roles, from world language teacher to assistant superintendent. There is no stopping Dr. Wallerstein. Since retiring, she continues to use her skills, experience, and wisdom in her leadership role as Norwalk Arts Commission Chairwoman, where she constantly gives back to the community. She will tell you all about her role and how she became interested in the arts. Welcome, Dr. Wallerstein. Thank you, Dr. Cynthia. I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you. you um, Dr. Wallerstein, you've had an amazing career. How did your career prepare or not prepare you for what you're doing now in your second half of life? Well, that's a great question. Um, I can certainly focus on my career, but I would say um, not just because I'm a woman, but I think that's a piece of the puzzle, that I feel that my adult life always had three parts to it. It always had my career, which you're asking about, my profession as an educator, but um, I also was have been a wife, a mother, and now I'm a grandmother, so I have a personal piece of my life, and I've also been active in the community even while I was pursuing my career. So I think those three threads have been constants. In my career... Um, the kinds of very specific skills that I acquired that have informed my retirement include um, the ability to navigate bureaucracies, particularly in the public sector. I know how government works. So if I have a goal, in this case in the arts, um, and it's in the public, uh, it's helpful to know how budgets and finance work. Um, related to that, uh, I spent a number of years involved in grant writing, uh, and so grant writing is another skill that, um, that I, I brought from my career into retirement. And I guess the third, is, which comes from the second phase of my career, working at a regional level, but in all aspects, 
is um, a pretty good understanding about how to cultivate, develop, and maintain partnerships. Because I think partnerships are important. Relationships and partnerships are important in almost everything we do these days. Um, I, too, believe in partnerships, Susan, because I don't believe we can do anything alone, that we need other people to partner with. So, Susan, what, so did you really have a plan when you left your professional career of what you were going to do in the second half of life? Well, um, I would back up maybe one step from what you're asking me and say that I think one of the most challenging things is taking stock of oneself um, to the extent there's not some external factor that's driving your retirement and saying, like, when am I ready to retire? Um, there's no magic age. I mean, from my perspective, there was no magic age. There was no um, particular game plan. But um, I actually spoke to a variety of people about my age and those a little bit older and said, how do you know when you're ready to retire? Um, putting aside for the moment, like all the financial and health and all those other things that are certainly um, major variables also. Um, but I had uh, uh, been thinking for some time that I was about ready, and when I thought about being about ready, which is taking stock of myself emotionally, physically, how I was feeling, that really helped me think about what I wanted to do in my retirement. And what I wanted to do was be able to, um, during the first few years, I would answer people who asked that question, um, I'm working on achieving good balance in my life physical well-being, emotional well-being, um, being vibrant and mentally alert and using my brain in ways that felt fulfilling. Um, and so there was no specific game plan, but there were certainly and continue to have been um, guidelines and, and things that I wanted to achieve. I don't think it's a coincidence um, it's a coincidence that my initials are S-L-O-W, slow, which makes most people laugh because I'm not a slow person. But um, I started doing a little writing and reflecting in a blog format, which I called slower times. So sometimes just by slowing down and not being, especially as an educator, driven by a schedule and a calendar um, allows, allowed me to take stock of um, – what kinds of things I wanted to pursue, again, in that notion of balance. Excellent, because, um, you know, as a professional, your, your lives are really structured. And to go from a complete structure to no structure um, really takes a lot of reflection and thinking of what you're going to do without no structure. And it sounds <laughs> like you really, yeah, and it sounds like you really figured it out in your own reflective journey. I spent so, some time um, thinking about that, yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's so important um, to, to help our listeners think about it's how important it is to be reflective and to think about, to think about things. So, um, so how, did you, how did you become interested in the arts and now as the Norwalk Arts Commissioner? Sure. Um, let me go back to something you just said that made me think of something. I bet um, as also as a um, career educator, um, Cynthia, you also 
um, went to probably many right brain, left brain workshops. And one of the things that I thought about when I embarked on retirement, back to routines and schedules and structure, in one of the workshops they said one of the ways you can tell if you're right brain or left brain is when you go into a movie theater, um, do you just almost automatically head down the right-hand dial or the left-hand dial? <laughs> um, we all have habits um, and dispositions that that uh, that are part of our routines. So part of what I tried to do, and I thought about this when I retired, was if when I was working, I always did laundry on Sunday night, I really purposefully mixed it up a little bit. I tried to break some of the tiniest routines that had informed my life when I was trying to get work-life balance. And so I brought that right brain, left brain, break those routines and see what happens and how it feels and how it works. Um, so um, I wanted to add that. So in terms of the arts, uh, boy, I, I, as you mentioned, I began my career as a world languages teacher. And... My particular interest in language is as it, in, as it um, gives you tools to explore culture and community, uh, not so much, although I appreciate and certainly studied literature, but for me it's about people. Language is, um, is, a, is a powerful tool to know about people. And when I was a teacher, for example, teaching French, I brought in the music of Georges Moustaki, a French singer, I brought in the poetry of Jacques Prévert to teach verb tenses. Uh, when I had a chance to go to West Africa uh, and do some um, summer work in Senegal, I became passionate about West African film and music. And not only the ways the arts reveal culture, just like language gives, gave me the tool to speak and meet people, um, but about the way people's artistic expressions reveal so much about culture uh, and the transmission of culture. So it seemed kind of natural to me um, that that belief in and that experience in world languages, coupled with the fact that I had married into a family of artists. My husband is a retired art teacher. His brother was an art teacher. His father was an art teacher. And our family <laughs> um, bought and owned a small gallery at the in the 1970s. So I had experience running a gallery. Um, the arts seem to be a really uh, unifying and purposeful way for me to bring my professional skills that I mentioned at the beginning, the grant writing, the navigating bureaucracy, um, as um, I, could, I could potentially uh, put those things together uh, for the benefit of m my community where, where I live. Uh, I also am very committed to things like intergenerational work. Um, legacy keeper is a way I describe myself sometimes. And I think helping the young people who live in my community know what is that, um, what are those sculptures down there at the beach? Who did them? Where did they come from? Do I like it? Don't I like it? The arts gives us a fairly uh, comfortable platform for having those good conversations. Um, and so that's my path into the arts. Um, it wasn't immediate. It wasn't like I said, well, when I retire, I'm going to become an arts commissioner. Uh, there really wasn't an arts commission in Norwalk. There was a loose advisory group that was meeting. And um, kind of back to my experience with partnerships, I decided to just 
schedule some time to hang out with people who I thought might be doing interesting things. So I did some, a fair, you know, maybe a year, year and a half of exploration and discovery to learn more about who was doing what in my community before I decided what to pursue and spend my time on. Um, so that that is just so wonderful that you've taken the time to reflect, um, to explore, and figure out what you really want to do. You just kind of didn't jump into it. But yet you seem like you're using everything that you've learned in the past to put this all together. And I think that is really um, a, a wonderful thing and very inspiring to other um, retirees who think that may that they may just have to jump into something. So um, I, I think that is a, a, a very worthwhile um, journey to explore. Thank so, you. Um, and being surrounded by so much art, it's like uh, it's like uh, it's like a cloud surrounding your life <laughs> with the art. And traveling to all these different places and um, putting in the arts within your teaching, it was. It seems to me like it was just a natural way for you to go, and I just really admire that. So, so what advice would you give to the audience about how to make their second half? meaningful and fulfilled, because you have described three parts of your life. It's not just um, volunteering. It's looking at your own personal self and looking at your family. So what advice would you give to the audience about how to make their second half just as fulfilling as yours? Well, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not a person who typically does uh, give advice, but since you're asking, I, of course I would like to respond. But I think the first is to really sit for a bit before you make the decision to retire and think about um, what things you might need to put into place to uh, cope when you don't have structure and schedule and how it might impact you. Um, maybe have two or three things that bring a little bit of routine to your life in that transition from work to retirement. So, for example, with me, because I knew physical well-being was going to be part of it, I signed up with a trainer at my local gym. So I had somewhere to go on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. So it kept a little bit of structure, but it helped me transition into building some new routines that weren't going to look and feel the same. The second is to look and spend some time uh, making a list of those things in your non-work life that are driven by your work life. So the example I gave you with that one was doing laundry on Sunday night uh, because I was working often 12-hour days in the school system before I retired. Um, Sunday night was the best time for me. So if you can see if there are any things like that um, that you're doing that can be revisited when you retire, I think it will help again in the transition. And then the third, sort of taking my initials again in my blog, slower times, um, mm -hmm. give yourself permission to slow down. Spend some time uh, thinking about who would I like to have coffee with? Who have I met even casually uh, who I'd like to know more about? and begin to explore uh, what's going on around you in your community in different ways. And then pause afterwards and say, how did that make me feel? Is that the kind of thing that could um, ignite my passion? 
So slow down, uh, think long and hard about routines, and uh, plan for transition. And be open to things that you never imagined. Excellent suggestions. And these are such simple suggestions that um, anyone can actually go out and do it. You're not telling them to go out and climb Mount Everest. You're just telling them, giving them suggestions of how to take in an exploration of who they are as a person and to check out what's going on in the community. I love those suggestions, Susan. They do sound simple, but in some in some cases they're not as easy as they sound. So that I would throw that caution in. Be careful. Yeah. Thanks. Thank Thank you so much, Sue. Thank you for taking the time to share your what's next journey with our listeners. In closing, I would like to recommend the book called Life Reimagined by Richard Leader. It will help you uncover your own special gifts, connect with people who can support you and try out new possibilities. You'll be inspired by meeting ordinary people who have reimagined their lives in extraordinary ways. You'll also read the stories of the pioneers of the life reimagined movement, such as Jane Pauley, James Brown, Emilio Esteban, and Chris Gardner. They show us that this journey of discovery can take us to some surprising and unexpected places. So I'd like you to also check out the podcast notes on my website, www.refiredontretire.com. And um, I will also suggest to you to make a list of all the things you've dreamed about doing but had no time to do. This could open new doors of new possibilities for you. If you enjoyed this interview, I would love it if you would share it with your family and friends so that they too could be inspired to explore new possibilities. I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me by sending an email to Dr. Cynthia at refiredontretire.com. Dr. Cynthia at refiredontretire.com. Go out and live a refired life. That's all for this episode of Boomers on Fire. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Boomers on Fire, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast to get automatic notifications when I publish a new episode. I would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review to help spread the word and help more women reignite the second half of their lives. 